0: Well, I'm excited because today is week 3 of it's a situation. It's our it's our conversation about Um, love and dating and sex and marriage and understanding that relationships are messy and often situationships more than they're relationships. And because of that, uh, we want to speak God's design, God's purpose, God's direction to every one of your relationships and where you find yourself in relationship. And so today is all about singleness. I titled my message uh, today, Singleness is Super Cool sound good? And you're going to write that down. You're like, I am holding on to that one, Richie. That's so helpful. Uh, singleness is is interesting because it's um, there's kind of a stigma around singleness. And some of you feel this. Some of you feel maybe um, um, judgment or looked at in weird ways. Um, and, and, and I hate that about us as people. I hate that we have judgment and that we have a critique of each other's lives. And so my hope is that today uh, I'm going to by God's word and God's grace, I believe that God wants to elevate um, singleness to its proper place within our relational setting that it wouldn't be something that's down here or sideline or um, looked down upon, but it's something that God has really designed so many of us for, and so I'm excited. If you're single in the room today, this message is for you. If you're not single, I believe that God wants to speak to you today about this whole conversation and use you in this conversation. And so would you open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter seven is where we're gonna be today. Uh, if you've got a real paper Bible, I'd love to hear those pages turn in. If you need to find the uh, table of contents, now you're turning it loudly way to go appreciate that (laughs) Uh, if you need to look at table of contents that's great if you need a bible app we'll have stuff on the screen here in a moment first corinthians chapter seven we'll dive into it let's pray before we do lord we look to you now and we ask you to speak ask you to move ask you to heal transform god work by your word by your power by your grace god in this time Uh, we just thank you for this conversation thank you for these minutes together god and just trusting you to speak and, and lead in powerful ways uh, we love, love you and look to you in Jesus' name, amen. My men's group is studying the book of James right now. And it's a, an amazing conversation. I don't know if anybody's ever studied the book of James before, but he's pretty hard-hitting. He's like straight in your face, doesn't pull a punch, just like throws haymaker after haymaker after haymaker. And uh, James chapter 2, he kicks off that passage with a, with a straightforward rebuke. Um, and I say rebuke because he's getting after people that show partiality that have judgment and criticism of people and their station in life. And the example that he gives in James chapter 2 is rich and poor. He says, say say one of you walks into the gathering in the church service who who has like finely dressed clothes, gold rings, um, clearly is somebody that's got something going on, some success in their life. Who are you, he says to the church, says you would actually seat them up front and give them the place of honor. And why would you make this kind of distinction in your heart or this this um, judgment in your heart? When at the same time, there may be somebody who walks into your gathering like this, who's poorly dressed, kind of raggedy and kind of struggling. And and you would go so far as even to make them sit on the floor, kind of in the back or in a place of, of disdain. Like this should not be. When I think about that partiality, that conversation about judgment that James is getting at in, in, that, in that passage, I think that there's some of that in my heart as we come into this conversation about singleness and watching just the separation or the pressure even that happens in many of our hearts around singleness. Maybe you're recently divorced and, and the pressure you feel is all the pain of your, of your previous marriage and maybe some sort of shame about how you got here and why you're here now. Or maybe maybe as a single person you feel like maybe you're not as, as able to get involved or be a part of stuff that's significant or impactful in people's lives and so you felt a bit of a, of a sideline or benching kind of a feel. Others of us that are not single in the room, we don't necessarily look down on people that are single, but maybe you would admit that you're convinced that your spot in life is the best way to live this life. And I think it's sometimes it's as sneaky and as subtle as that. And, and we find ourselves tripping over this all the time. It happens in so many different spots in life. My family has always been a family that camps a lot. We love to camp. And we quit camping recently in the last few years because... We kind of got tired of um, paying to pretend like we're homeless, you know, like, I'm just kidding. No, we love camping, but it's like, you do, you go out in the woods, right, and you sleep on the ground, and you you don't take a shower, and it's just like, what do we do, right? We just, our family got a lot busier, but man, there were some sweet, sweet moments with camping, and one of them, um, we did not, it's funny, my wife and I were laughing about it this week, it's, they're never the moments that you, like, plan for, they're always the moments that happen to you, you know what I'm saying, and this one particular camp trip just was out of control from the very beginning we were with some friends up at a lake and it was super beautiful but I mean like right away at the beginning of the camp trip like our cooler full of food just like completely fell on the ground and all the ice and all the food rolls down this hill covered with dirt we're trying to scoop dirty ice back into our cooler to make it somehow work for the entire weekend worth of food right it's cleaning off all the all the stuff it's just not working we get to the beach and we're swimming and super fun and then this huge windstorm comes in and my buddy's out swimming and uh, as he's out swimming in these huge, like, four-foot waves, like, it's an amazing, crazy freak windstorm. He starts waving at us from out there. Like, he's, like, 100 yards out there, and he's waving at us. So we were waving back. <laughs> he keeps waving. And pretty soon, um, my wife and his wife are sitting over there, and they kind of look at me like, like a little bit of concern. And then pretty soon we start hearing, help. <laughs> oh, he's not just waving. He's actually asking for help. And so, you know, I run in, and you know, bring him back to shore, and his kids still love me to this day because I saved their dad's life, and uh, it was, yeah, then Ruby, we're, she's 16 now, but we were trying to put her down for a nap, she was maybe two, or three at the time, and um, all the tent poles snap, you know, because we're tent, Camping at this point because of the crazy wind gusts and the whole tent like rolls up on her. She's literally rolling down the beach inside the tent. Like as we're, we're trying to figure out like it just was a disaster from the beginning. I remember we kind of collected ourselves through the tent in the garbage. We're like, let's go home. We called it after six hours, like great camping trip, right? And we rolled into town, and we got to McDonald's because we wanted to, I don't know what we wanted to do, get ice cream or something, just like put some some salve on the wounds of, of camping. And uh, we got to McDonald's, and we walked in there, and it just felt like, what in the world just happened? We walked in, and it was like our hair was all plastered over, our teeth were filled with dirt, you know? We were like, we just survived Armageddon, you know? And like... All these people are just in there munching their Big Macs. Like, nothing in the world has gone wrong. And I remember just feeling this huge disconnect. Like, do people know what we just survived? Like, do you know where we've been? How are you just eating french fries? Right? Like, it was just like... Like the sense of disconnect. And I think that that's part of what I want to get at today is I don't want to have any of that kind of disconnect in our hearts when it comes to the difference between marriage and single and dating, engagement. All these different spots that we find ourselves relationally. I don't want to have us with a hierarchy of this is better and good and bad and worse and whatever. I want to get to a place where we can really level the playing field and see like, wow, God's hauled us to all different places in relationship. And just because we've experienced relationship one way doesn't mean that's the best way. Just because our spot is what we really like and what we prefer and what we feel called to, maybe not everybody feels called to that and feels like that's the best spot, and so that's okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul does a really good job of of really leveling the playing field. And I'm believing that God is going to speak to each one of us in this passage here today. So look at verse 25 with me. And we're going to, it's kind of a lengthy passage. And so I'll just kind of break it down with you as we walk through it. Now about virgins, Paul starts out. Great strong start to the sermon, right? uh, He's he's writing to answering questions. So this church in Corinth asked him a whole bunch of questions. And they're like, hey, what do we do about this setting and this situation and these people and that kind of thing? What do we do? And so he's going, now, you asked me about virgins, so let me respond. I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, he's speaking of the persecution of the church, the pressure that's under the church is under. He says, I think that it is good for you to remain as you are. Are you married? Do not seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. No amens on that, please, right there. (laughs) Those who marry will face many troubles in this life. Uh, And I want to spare you this. Like I don't know how marriage usually gets preached around churches, but this is not usually it, right? Usually, it's like this great and glorious thing that's like, and he's like, "Eh, I want to spare you some of this trouble, (laughs) all right? But what when you hear in this this theme, these first few verses, though, I want you to hear this: remain as you are. Whatever spot, whatever place you find yourself in relationship, that's where I want you to remain. I don't want you to feel like you're lacking something or you need this or you need that or you're behind on this and you need to get that. And like just understand that that you can, by God's grace, remain as you are. I think this is really freeing that there's not like a command in scripture that says you have to be married or you have to be single. There's this concession that says, hey. What does God put in your heart? What place has he put you in? And give yourself a little bit of freedom on that. Sometimes we make everything about God's will. And God's will is all of it right here. God's will is you. Like he loves you and, and wants you to become who he made you to be. And there's, there's a lot of different paths that you can walk down and be right in the middle of who God wants you to be. Verse 29 says, what I mean, brothers, is that there the time, the time, speaking of eternity, the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of this world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. Again, thematically in this, this paragraph here, I want you to hear this, that, that however you view your spot in your relational space, where you find yourself, I want you to take a step back from it, Paul is saying. And I want you to have a bigger picture, an eternal view a sense of awareness about the bigger scheme of what God is up to on this planet, that he is actually wanting to rescue souls and that you are part of this amazing rescue plan and that there is a time that is running out and for us to be caught up in lots of things that are really messy and damaging and discouraging, man, maybe you need to take a step back from all of that cannot make your marriage the center of the universe, your singleness the center of the universe, your dating relationship, your engagement, whatever space you find yourself. Don't make that the center of everything. There is something much, much bigger going on here. You with me on that? You hear what he's saying? Verse 32 says, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. That's an important concept right there. Are our interests divided? He says, an unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affair. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world. How she can please her husband. Verse 35 says, I am saying this for your own good. Not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord, I underline that verse in my Bible because I think that that's like a massive theme that we can see here. Married or single, it really comes down to our devotion to the Lord. That we recognize that relationships are important in our lives. Marriages and singleness and dating and engagement. Whatever station of relationship you find yourself at. Those are all important parts of our life. But, but what matters most to God and what matters most to his people and his church is that we would... Be people who live with this undivided heart in our devotion to the Lord. Verse 36 says, If anyone thinks he is acting improperly toward the virgin, he's engaged to. And if she is getting along in years and feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning, but uh, he says they should get married. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion... But has control over his own will and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So that he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does even better. Man, I don't know how you feel about hearing even that last phrase right there, but I think it's kind of interesting the way that our world that we live in, and I would say specifically within our church world, how we've elevated some places in life and devalued other places in life. And I think Paul kind of flips that whole thing upside down right here, that, that he would actually say that, that maybe to not be married is even better. And so the judgment that we bring to this conversation and maybe the, the, the perception that we bring, we need to just allow God to sift a little bit this morning and, and to poke out a little bit this morning and go, okay, how am I as a person that relates to other people at different places in their relational settings? And am I somebody that, that can really understand where people are at and, and be safe where people are at and, and really be loving and kind towards wherever somebody finds themselves? Or am I somebody that has to like have everybody be just like me and, and, and kind of critique others that don't look like me and don't act the way I act and don't have the same spot in life that I have? And so, man, I, I love this conversation because it just kind of helps us to filter our hearts a little bit and go, all right, let's, let's talk about singleness for a second. And let's talk about it in a good way, not in a awkward, weird way or, you know, this is better or that's better. Let's just talk about it in an honest way together today. Singleness and, and marriage, but I would say this, let's talk specifically to singles in the room today. People that are really at that spot. And however you find yourself single, that's not really the discussion today. If Paul is saying through this passage, you need to learn to remain as you are. If he's saying that, that this is something that you really need to settle your heart and your mind on then that's really the encouragement that I see massively thematically in this passage today is that wherever you find yourself, contentment is crucial. The first theme that I really want you to hold on to today, that contentment is crucial. Wherever you find yourself in relationship, that God has you there for a reason. That this is a season that God is working, moving, speaking, leading. I know I struggle with this all the time, that I find the season I'm in is not really a good season, and so I can't wait to get to the next season, and so I'm going to do everything I can to get out of this season. And get... and sometimes, this is how some of us are going after marriage. As a single person, you're going after marriage to just get done with singleness, You're not actually going after marriage because you feel called to it. You just feel the pressure of singleness and maybe the loneliness or maybe some of the things that have kind of rolled around in your heart and you're just running away from that. You're not actually looking to marriage. Some of you have come out of divorce and that's all you can think about is maybe the the pain of the last marriage will be over if I just go get married again. And again, it's not content at all. You just find yourself running from something to try to find a better life. And that's my encouragement from this passage. No, 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 no. Let's not be like that as a people. Like, let's actually learn contentment, that the place that we are is a really good place, that God has us here, he's gonna speak to us here, he's gonna shape us here, he's gonna refine us here, he's gonna love us and lead us here, and that he has purpose for us right here. Does God want to take us from one season to another? Potentially, absolutely. Some of you feel called by God to be single, and that is going to be the way that you are for this entire life, and that is amazing. Growing in contentment does not mean you are not ambitious or not, not forward-thinking or not you know, driven or whatever kind of bad stigma might be on contentment. Man, this is a place of godliness where you can rest in your soul that God is good and that he loves you and that he has plans and purposes that he's working out for your life and that he has something so much more in mind than you could ever scramble up on your own in your own doing, in your own strength. I love what Paul says, the man who has settled this matter in his own mind, verse 37. That's that's what I, I think I'm encouraging us to is to settle this matter in our minds. This says, you know what, Lord? Where I am is where you have me, and I'm making a decision today to make the most of this place that you have put me, to not wish that it was the way it used to be or not hope for it to be better in another day, but to be really right here in this space content with who you've called me to be and where you've put me, to remain as I am. I think that this is a settling of your mind is not just like a one-time thing. It's a constant prayer-filled posture that says, Lord, this is where you have me. What are you doing in me? What do you want to work out? What steps of obedience are you calling me to? That there's kind of a releasing of control of where we find ourselves and, and trusting that God is going to lead us. It's a time, contentment is a time of pressing into discerning God's leading, his voice, his, his, um, his grace in your life in new and more intimate, intimate ways. For you to settle this in your mind is constantly pressing in to Jesus, trying to understand his voice, his leading, his priorities for your life. Here's some of the things that kill contentment. One would be absolutely comparison. Well, their life seems way more happy or way more fulfilled or way more fun than my life. Or their life seems way worse. I would never get married. Did you see that? You know, like, like we could do comparison both ways. Some of you, you've ran from marriage your entire life because of the pain that was caused by your parents and how their divorce went and how their brokenness went. That's not, a, that's not contentment. Some of us, we've, we've justified kind of our spot and our, our conviction based on really unhealthy things. And I would encourage you about that. Don't settle based on an assumption. Settle your heart based on the leadership of the Spirit of God inside you. An assumption is when you go, well, that's the way I don't want life to be, and so I'm going to run from that, or that's the way I want life to be. That comparison, man, it drags you into those places where you're assuming it's better that way. You're assuming that that's the way it's supposed to be or not supposed to be, and, and and I love that that there's just this intense opportunity for us to go. Okay, Holy Spirit, I'm trusting that you're going to speak, you're going to lead, you're going to direct, you're going to open doors. God, if you help, if you want me to find somebody, you're going to lead that whole thing, and you're going to maybe tell me what to do or what to where to go and how all that's going to happen. God, if you don't want me to marry somebody, what, like I am just content. Holy Spirit, you leading this life. Don't feel like you've got to convince yourself or other people that your spot in life is the best spot, the only spot in life. Just settle your heart and settle your mind and go, all right, God, this is where you've put me. I'm going to be content to obey Jesus' leadership in my life. One of the things that I see Paul just pointing to over and over in this passage that helps with contentment is an eternal view, a bigger view. This is one of the greatest challenges of our lives and our stories is we find ourselves constantly at the center of our own universe. You know what I'm saying? Our problems, our worries, our concerns are all we talk about, all we think about, all we look at, all we we are consumed with. And the more consumed we are with our stories and our spot in life, the harder it is for us to look up, step back and really understand that there's something much, much bigger going on here. God has been writing the story for thousands of years and we only get maybe just this, this little tiny vapor of a window in the scheme of all of eternity. And it's not fun to think that way because we like being the center of the universe, right? But it's so humbling when you take a step back and you go, oh, God, you have something supernatural and big and massive and eternity shaping that you are up to. And, and, and the time that I'm in is kind of short that I, I, I really just need to be really content in this place that you've put me and the person that you've called me to be and the, the way that you're asking me to live this life. And it just helps you and I just to be humble. I think sometimes a lack of contentment is an overreaching for control, which is a very arrogant way to live our lives. I struggle with this all the time. I wanna control outcomes and I wanna control the way things should be and are gonna be and where we're going next and how it's all gonna f- unfold. And man, that control is really rooted in pride, thinking I know what's best and how it should be and how my life needs to be. And, and, and I think that contentment is really in that stepping back, eternal view, humble posture that says, God, you have something so much in, bigger in mind than what I could see or what I could understand. So many of our bad relationship decisions come when we are the center of our own universe. So contentment is stepping back, going, God, you are doing something supernatural in this world. I can't wait to be a part of what you're doing. Show me what today looks like, God. My wife and I have been praying a lot about give us today our daily bread. The people of God have always been marked by that daily bread. Dependence, daily contentment. The people of God have never been marked by their great 10-year strategies. That's really always been the people of the world. And we've allowed it to seep into our definition of Christianity and following Jesus. And a lot of times, if we're honest, we just look like everybody else and we just put the label Christian on it. And really, the contentment that I think God wants to, to draw us to is a place of daily daily, daily, daily dependence. I know that's hard to hear and it's hard for me to even say out loud because I would much rather it be another way. But I think that when I look at the whole of scripture, this is clearly a theme that people of God have always struggled with. And it's something that you and I need to press into and understand why is it that I'm so lacking contentment? Where is that comparison coming from? Where is that struggle coming from? God, would you build a contentment in my heart? The second theme that I see in this passage that I want you to get today, one is contentment is is crucial, critical. The second one is this, whole and holy. Whole in the sense that, that you, where you are in your relationship with God, you are whole, you are complete, you are good. God loves you. God's called you by name. He has purpose for you. He sent his son to die for you. That he doesn't look at your life and and, and, and all of your decisions and go, man, what a disappointment. No, no, no. The God of the universe said, you know what? You are worth to me. You are worth dying for, and so I'm going to send my son to die in your place. Like, like for you to recognize that the God of the universe loves you right where you are for who you are and has accepted you, adopted you into his family, and now he is wanting to shape you for his purposes. You are on a journey of transformation powered by the Spirit of God inside of you. For you and I to look at relationship as a place to get whole, to get our needs and our fulfillment and our satisfaction is one of the great tragedies of relationship because no human being was ever designed to fulfill you. Not a ton of amens on that one. But I want you to, want you to hold on to this because this is where so much strife comes from. Is we're trying to make that person meet our needs, fulfill us, satisfy our souls. That spouse was never designed to satisfy your soul. That future potential spouse that you're dreaming of one day is never designed to satisfy your soul. They're human. They're just like you, frail and flawed. And and as humans, do we need each other? Absolutely. Do we need relationship with each other? Yes. Is it amazing? Yes. Is it fulfilling? Yes. It's all those things. But when you are not whole in your relationship with God, that whole, that gap that is created there is just like a sucking vacuum. And we're looking and all these places to all these people to try to get these needs met. And we find ourselves doing damage to our own souls, our own minds, our own hearts. We find ourselves wandering through this life trying to find something to fill this gap inside of us when the God of the universe is going, no, 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 I made you and I know exactly how to fill that hole inside you. And I have come to make you whole, to make you complete, to make you satisfied, to make you who I've made you and designed you to be. And so the the call here on, on, on wholeness is to go, God, I need you to be my satisfaction. Whatever happens in this life, however relationships go, God, you are the satisfaction of this soul. You and you alone, Jesus. When you are whole, you're much more free. You're much more joyful. You're much more fun to be around. You're much more filled with God's grace and God's spirit and God's love. When you know whose you are, that God loves you and sent a son for you, the satisfaction in your soul is noticeable. But the other piece of this is holy. And you notice the spelling of holy. It's not H-O-L-Y. It's W-H. It's this sense of devotion. Fully. holy devoted to the things of God. As a single person in the room, this is your blessing. This is your grace in this world is that you have an opportunity to be more wholly devoted to the things of God. What a gift. That you, you are freer from distraction. You have greater and greater opportunity to dedicate yourself to the work of God, the kingdom of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God, that you can actually be more and more impactful for the things of God. That's kind of why Paul is saying this is actually better. Because he has this big picture in mind. Like married, unmarried, whatever. Like we're all going to heaven and then, and and, and like what matters most is that people are actually going to be going to heaven as well. That the broken and and the lost and the hurting of our city are actually going to be rescued out of hell and, and set free to become who God made them to be. And like if you could be more wholly devoted to the things of God, what a gift. What a gift. And I know that this is is not just for singles in the room, but for all of us that we understand, like, oh, like, relationships matter, but man, sometimes we've idolized and worship relationships and the way they're supposed to go. And we read all these books and go to all these seminars and do all this stuff, and and, and Paul's just like, wake up, church! Like, we have, we have this greater thing that we are a part of that you can be wholly devoted to, and don't allow yourself to get tangled up into all these good things and miss the really big, amazing thing that God is wanting to do in your life and through your life. As a single person in the room, think of the impact that you can have by serving more giving more being more devoted to the to the work of God you have an, a chance for impact. And this is what I hate about the enemy is some of you have felt sidelined because you're not married or you're not at a certain spot in life. And I completely rebuke that in the name of Jesus. That is not how God wants us to live. He has made you and called you to this place of freedom and whole devotion to his purposes, to his kingdom. So don't step back because you're not where you think you should be. Step in because you have been given an opportunity to be used by God in powerful impactful ways. Don't allow the enemy to discourage you and sideline you and railroad you and keep you from the things of God, but but put your heart in a place of softness and go, okay, God, I don't know how you want to use me, but I'm all yours. I am all in to whatever you would have me. Like, you go to work differently like that. You go to school differently like that. You walk into every environment differently when you go, God, I'm wholly devoted to your purposes and your things and your kingdom and your work, God, in this, in this city that you've called me to. And I think that, That is probably one of the greatest cries of my heart in this whole conversation, that married or single, that we would be whole and wholly devoted to the things of God. That we wouldn't be wishing our life was a different way or a better way or some kind of weird judgment in this whole thing, but that we would be so satisfied and content in the place that God has put us and that we would be so consumed with his leading, his prompting, his daily, daily leadership in our lives. That if God eventually opens doors and leads us to a place of marriage, great. God, God leads you to a remarriage, great, whatever. God leads you to stay single your entire life, great. Like whatever it is that he leads you to, that's good. It's God leading. That's what we want, right? Is God leading these lives, not pressure, not culture, not societal norms. We want the king of the universe to lead these lives to the place that he's called us to be. That's my hope for every one of us is that we would recognize, all right, if I'm single and I'm a part of real life, here's what I hope you hear is that we bless you and we celebrate you in the name of Jesus, that you are called by God, you are gifted by God, you're a part of this church in amazing and fruitful ways. And my invitation to you is to become more impactful, become more a part of what God is doing around you, become more content in the season that you find yourself and I pray if you do have this longing to be married in the room and you're single or divorced, however you find yourself, that you would, that you would walk towards that and God would open those doors. And I just pray blessing and, and grace on that season of, of God leading you into that next marriage. And I am, I am so excited about that, that God would fulfill that desire in you. And I, I think as a church, there's an opportunity for us to just grow and our grace and our compassion, our awareness of where people find themselves in life. to not be those people that just kind of have our heads down and think our place in life is the only place in life. But There's a lot of people around you sitting right here that are all kinds of different spots in life. We have an opportunity to grow in our compassion, our awareness, our mercy, our ability to see people where they're at and value where people find themselves and lead them, love them right where they're at. Just thinking about this whole conversation and just want so much for all of us to be a people who are whole and wholly devoted to Jesus. I'm gonna pray for you today. Would you stand to your feet with me today? Just close your eyes. Allow this to be a, a special moment right now. Don't um, just pack up and move on with your day. I really believe that God wants to meet us in this spot. Thinking of people in the room right now that have not yet said yes to Jesus, period. You have not received his love and his mercy and his grace and you find yourself distant from God. Maybe you have questions about God and just don't feel like you've gotten answers, but you still feel and sense God here today, drawing you to himself, asking you to admit that you're a sinner and you need salvation. If you're at a spot today where you just recognize this and you're ready to turn your heart to Jesus, to surrender to him, I just want you to put your hand in the air all over this room. Everybody's eyes are closed. It's just a chance for you to just admit before God, God, I need a savior. I turn from my sinful ways and I turn to you wholeheartedly, God. I turn from the life of trying to make it work on my own, God, and I just surrender. I need you, Jesus. I need your spirit inside me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for cleansing me. And thank you, God, for giving me your spirit as a gift inside of me to empower me for this life that you've called me to. God, thank you for every soul being saved in this room right now, Jesus. God, thank you for every heart that's beginning to believe. Some of you have really struggled in your singleness and you found yourself lacking contentment and God has been speaking to you today. I won't just say singles, anybody in the room that's lacking contentment. You would just put your hand in the air and you just say, God, I need to be content. Show me what it looks like to live daily bread. Just put your hand in the air all over this place, Lord. You see every hand, every every heart that's honest before you, just saying, God, I need you to help me become content in the place in life that I am. Jesus, I pray that your grace would pour out on every soul that's here in the place of honesty, God. Every one of us that's just saying, God, I need you, grow this contentment in me, Lord. Speak, direct, lead every step of the way, God. Forgive me for running ahead and disconnecting and doing my own thing, Holy Spirit. I just invite you to, to bring me back to center and to hear your voice and to discern your leading in, in my life, God. Make us a people who are filled with your peace that surpasses all understanding because God, you are in control. These souls are satisfied in you, God. We don't need something else or some other spot, God, to satisfy us, it's you and you alone, Jesus. Lastly, I just think of anybody in the room that just says, man, I have not been wholly devoted to Jesus. My life has been consumed with me, my issues, my fears, my worries, my pains. And God's just lifted my head today to say, hey, there's an eternal thing going on here that I want you to be a part of. And you would just say, honestly, Lord, I need to be wholly devoted to you. Just put your hand in the air today. God, this life is yours. These gifts and these talents, they're yours. These finances, they're yours, God. Everything, Lord, that I've held on to as mine for me and myself, God, I just laid all before you right now in an honest place of just desperation, Lord, that you would take every bit of this life and make God, something that's for your glory and your purposes, God, that has eternal impact, that has purpose beyond myself, God. This life is yours. I just give it to you now fully, Jesus. You are my king and you are in control of this life, God. Wherever you say to go, I'll go. Whatever you say to do, I'll do, God. I surrender to you and your leadership in this life. Forgive me, God, for holding on so tightly. I just open my hands right now before you, God, surrendering this life, this devotion to you completely, God. We just thank you, Jesus, for raising up, God, raising up people in this place that are wholly devoted to you, Jesus. We honor you, we worship you, and we thank you, God, for your presence today. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen.